And on that note, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. Opening the... up on a silent bit. I love it. <laughs> That's where we're at in we're quarantine. We're start our podcast with a nice mime. <laughs> this is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids, and we re-examine them in the harsh and sobering light of 2021. It gets more harsh and sobering every time. Every goddamn day. I've never been more sober in my life. <laughs> I didn't even pour a drink for this recording. <laughs> Straight water. I like just forgot. <laughs> That's where I'm at at the end of this week. Uh, the voice you just heard is a not another film podcast all star team yeah. The person who helped explain the rules of cricket to my mother. <laughs> well, I I was useless. Your father, my dad yeah. did all of it. Credit where credit is due. Yeah. Uh, this is true. This is true. Um, and we're here talking about a special... So, okay, we've got a voyage. Because you originally wanted to come on and do a different movie. Yes. Which, we, which we're definitely still going to do at some point. Amazing. we got to give other people a chance, though, Tina. Yeah, but, it's, it's fine. I have, like, a whole list. we got time. I mean, I'm not doing mm-hmm. anything ever. But, so we're going to do that movie. I'm not going to reveal what that is just yet. But then I was doing what I do, sitting on the toilet, scrolling through Instagram, <laughs> and saw that you were watching a very special film. Mm-hmm. This is like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That I did not know had come to streaming. <gasps> and I feel like I messaged you in a panic being like, this is, where can I find this? <laughs> and that's right, folks. We're talking about the 1997 Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Oh. Damn right. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about A, your history with this movie and B, how this movie came back into your life or did it ever leave? Yeah, I would love to. Um, this movie, I, so I have another podcast. It's called We the People Present a Podcast. We just did an episode where we feature a conversation about this movie pretty heavily. So I have been talking about this movie already, like all week. Love it. Um, but it's, I think it remains one of my favorite movies of all time. I just think it fucking rules. Um, I remember watching it when it aired on TV, like, for the first time, and we recorded it onto a VHS, so every time we would watch it after that, we would watch it, like, with the commercials, so that's how I remember it. Um, but I just remember, like, thinking it was fucking magical, I loved it. I had no idea who Whitney Houston was, I was just like, she's amazing and I love her. (laughs) That was my first exposure to Whitney Houston as a person, um... And I just, like, we watched it all the time growing up into, I mean, well into my teenage years. Like, we would make references and jokes to that movie in high school, me and my, you know, dumb theater friends that I love. We all know. We were all that kid. We Um, were all that kid. And this movie is all that kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of always been there. I, it was on YouTube for a while, or it might still be, but that's how I would watch it. So, like, I would just watch it occasionally every couple of years and, like, bask in its glow. Because it's just, like, pure positivity. It's just, like, happiness in a movie. Also, in my house growing up, the way we referred to it, because we obviously also had the, like, Disney animated Cinderella on VHS, Mm -hmm. but we referred to this one as the real Cinderella. That's what we called Mm. it. Because it was live action, but also... To me, in my brain, like, it is the ultimate Cinderella. It is the only mm. Cinderella to me. And everything sure. else can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, is Cinderella a, a, a story or I guess like a Disney property that like has a lot of real estate for you? Not at all. Yeah, I really actually, like, super don't care about it as a story or a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> I love the mice in the animated one. I love Gus Gus. I stand Gus Gus. 
Um, but otherwise, no, it's like, I don't know. Y'all know me. Like, I'm a pretty blonde white girl. How is a man ever going to love me even though I'm poor and live in an attic? Like, I don't care. Um, which is maybe why I love this one so much is because they, like, give her actual shit to do and make her a real person. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's... I don't know what it is about this one that just, like, I suddenly care so much about it when I don't really care at all about any of the other ones. And maybe actively yeah. dislike all of the other ones a little bit. Sure. sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I can't really comment too, too much on the Disney princess lane since those movies were not made for me at all. So my, my feelings on them don't matter to anyone. But <laughs> Lauren, was Cinderella like a big property for you? Did you care about um, this story? <laughs> yeah, I will say that... The, like, Disney Cinderella, which I do not give a shit about, um, is, like, actively the reason that I never gave this movie a fair shake until, like, now. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Legit. Because, yeah. Because I, I like, don't care about the Disney animated Cinderella. It was always, like, my least favorite. It never made it into the rotation. And I, we had, like, heavy rotation of yeah. Disney oh, movies. Yeah. And so, and I was always just kind of bored by it. And so I think because of that, I was like, I just don't like the story of Cinderella. So whenever, mm-hmm. like, this was showing, I'd be like, I don't like Cinderella, so I'm just not going to watch it. And I, like, never, ever gave this movie a fair shake because I was like, I just don't like this story. Um, I was always, like, a kid that I was like, I like Ever After because it's, like, Cinderella but not really Cinderella. <laughs> um, I was a basic bitch like that. I've learned the errors of my ways. This yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. This movie is great. But I, I yeah, I have had, like, no relationship to this movie for a long time. I think I've... I think I've, like, turned it on TV multiple times, and it is always, always the scene where they're, like, where the prince's parents are, like, on the ladder. (gasps) Oh, classic. The scene with Jason Alexander. I've seen that scene at least four times, but no other parts of the movie. Dang. Um, So this was a whole new experience for me. Um, And then I slowly started getting introduced to, like, the stage show. Because I was a soprano and took voice lessons when I was a teenager. Yeah, baby, you sang in my own little corner. I know you did. I did too. uh, We all did. We all had to. I was really going to try and develop a drinking game for how many times we were going to bring up rehearsals and actual, like, musical, like, knowledge (laughs) about this show. Ian, are you trying to die? Ian, you've also I've been in quarantine for 11 (laughs) months, Tina. Honestly, some days I think I am. Ian also also dropped in the middle of this movie. He's like, oh, yeah, I've used this song to audition before. So we all have done the songs from this musical. Anytime I've auditioned for Into the Woods, I've sang 10 minutes ago. What are you talking about? It's a great song. Yeah, yeah, I've I've done In My Own Little Corner, and I've done, oh, gosh, what's the song that she sings in this movie with the stepsisters after she comes back? A lovely it's night. The, it's, yeah, it's the I could have danced all night mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, but Great I've done call. that song, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I slowly got, like, introduced to the stage show over the years, but just, like, never made my way back to this because it never really popped up on my radar until now. Mm. What, what, just curious for both of you, what, mm-hmm. what, like, Disney princess, if it is a Disney princess or Disney animated film, did, like, kind of, like, take up the most real estate in your life. That just, like, lives, lived rent-free in our brains? Like, yeah, in, at this age when this came out. Like, when you were, like, eight or nine, seven oh my God. to, like, eight Mulan, years old. Mulan, 100% Mulan. Yeah. Mulan, 1,000%. Yeah. I, Mulan was, like, big for us, and also that movie I watched again recently, and it fucking holds up. That movie mm-hmm. fucking movie's works. great. It's so yeah. good. Um, Honestly, I was not... I was definitely, like, I had girly elements as a kid, but when I was a kid, I made people call me either Aladdin or Simba. 
Those were the two mm. names I would accept for people to refer to me. Solid. So also Thomas for Thomas the Tank Engine, but that is neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> Chill. <laughs> I feel like I'm you revealing You do have like so much big Aladdin myself. energy. You got big Thomas energy. <laughs> you got BTE. <laughs> I was going to say you have big Aladdin energy, Tina. Like I, I totally see that for you. I mean, you. yeah, You're a little and I don't have nipples, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a widely known fact. Yes, yeah. Tina. <laughs> it's a truth universally it's, acknowledged. That's the first thing that you said to me when we were introduced. You're like, yeah. hi, I'm Tina. I don't have nipples. Uh, <laughs> I love wandering into caves. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> I'm a diamond in the rough, you know. <laughs> if there's a lamp, I'm going to rub it. <laughs> we can't take you antiquing anymore. We just can't. <laughs> I did also used to play a game. This was a little bit before this. I guess I was five in 97. And this was like bef- when I was like three. But I would play a game, <laughs> if we could call it that, where I would just like be on the couch and I would fling myself off of it and scream no like to reenact Mufasa being thrown off the cliff and I would do this over and over and over again until my parents were like honey you have to stop this is upsetting us um so you were such a dramatic bitch I even, know even as a kid I've always been like this we watched home movies when I was home for uh the holidays and I, there's one moment where I looked directly at the camera and just flipped my hair in like the most purposeful way possible and I was like I guess I have always been this person. Like this. Yeah. This. <laughs> I guess I've always been like this. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I was always a Lion King kid. Lion mm-hmm. King and Aladdin. Yeah. Num- like number one and number two. A yeah. thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine my disappointment when those live action movies came out. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. See, I used to always reenact Mulan getting her hair, like cutting her hair off. Yes. I'd be like, oh, one day I'm going to cut my hair off and do that. Mm-hmm. To the point that when I finally did cut all my hair off, I played the Mulan song where she cuts her hair off. I was like... Lauren. I was like 22, and I was like, you know what? I gotta do this for my for my childhood self. Salute. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I have a video of it happening. I was like, I need to fulfill this lifelong thing. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw this movie because it, this is one of those ones that like I kind of don't remember the first time. It's just always kind of been there. I, I definitely watched it on TV because it was a made-for-TV film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, and this was, we were literally just talking about this, not to, you know, not to beat too much of a dead horse with this conversation around this movie. Um, first of all, we're going to be referencing a lot. You referenced it on the podcast, on the We The People podcast, and I'm so glad you did, the Kendra James uh, oral history oh, it's so of good. this movie, which is f- incredible, it's which so I remember good. reading a few years ago uh, for the 20th anniversary. Yeah. And, like, was scrambling to reread it, like, before we recorded this to kind of, like, catch any (laughs) last-minute trivia. But, um, I just, I, like, I rem... The movie is so important for being this incredible uh, colorblind production of of Cinderella, this incredible multi-ethnic cast. Um, but the importance of what it means for kids to see this stuff at a young age, because I remember seeing this movie and it not registering with me at all how groundbreaking this was. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, yeah, no, that's Cinderella, cool. Yeah. And like moved past it. And it's like the fact that like, oh, that could be a radical thought if like we just start introducing the shit to kids more and more. And how much like when we were watching it today, we're like, it's still, it's so fucking sad that this is still such a radical movie. Yeah, oh my God. Like people still don't get how to do it right. It's mind blowing. Yeah, and it's like in 85 minutes. Because the other thing that I fucking can't stand with these live action Disney movies, I'm just going to use this as a way to rail against these movies, (laughs) is that it's like, we've got to take every every like 70 minute Disney film and turn it into a two and a half hour long epic where we go into like the the psychology of the stepsisters. Like mostly uh, CGI. 
it's just like, I don't, like, who could care? This movie is in and out, 80 minutes. She meets the prince, boom, they dance, boom, glass slipper, you're married, out, we're out, it's great. <laughs> but, you get the rest of your evening to just think about how rad that was. Yeah. There we go. Um, but I remember the big takeaway for me, unsurprisingly, uh, for this movie, the reason I loved it so much when I was a kid, two reasons, was I was obsessed with Jason Alexander because of Seinfeld. Because my dad would always show me Seinfeld, so I was just like, George Costanza playing the oh king's the king's little buddy. I'm picturing little, like, seven-year-old Ian. Just like, George! Same height as I am now. Five times fatter. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, very unsurprisingly, I had a giant crush on Brandy, like yeah, most yeah, yeah. other kids that Who I know. Didn't? Yeah. Um, but this was like the first time I had seen her, I think, in anything. I remember going back and watching Moesha after I saw this mm-hmm. movie because I was like, there's more chances to see this pretty lady on screen. <laughs> I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember loving, loving how over the top and theatrical this movie is. Yes. And we'll get into why. Because it, it's just like populated by theater people. Yeah. Ugh. Higher pros get pros. I kept thinking that again and again. Like, all of, like, the specificity, like, given how large the, like, comedic bits are and how big everyone is going. And it it was just like, God, this is why you hire theater people. They get it done. Yeah. It's so good. Some of the movement is just really incredible. Yeah. Should we dive in? Should we dive into this film? Okay. I'm ready. So the movie begins with everybody's fairy godmother, Whitney Houston, appearing on screen. Did I cry yeah, immediately when I when it like watched it recently and she came on screen? Absolutely, I sobbed like a little baby. She's unsurprising. She's so good. But one thing that's... very cold take Whitney Houston cold talented. Take. But we'll get into this with other people because not everyone in this movie is a Broadway uh, Broadway level singer, dancer, actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically Brandy Norwood love you know lovely human being um but Whitney Houston is able to do this incredible thing with all of her singing in this movie where she just like makes the music work for her no matter what scene she's in mm-hmm. and there are a couple times early on where Brandy's singing where you're just kind of like oh, I know you got like a really powerful voice in there I just like want it to come out in like your way like I want you to sing the way you do on your albums or like Kind of a thing. And it's when she sings Impossible with Whitney Houston that I'm like, oh, sweet. Yep, cool. We're here it's now. So good. It was a choice. See, mm-hmm. Ian, be patient. Mm-hmm. She's got to um. blossom. She's got to have somewhere to go. Yeah. It's a journey. So Whitney Houston emerges on screen and is like, just get get the fuck ready. You got music in you. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> this shit's going to go wild. And we get introduced <laughs> to uh, the set of Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. Uh, <laughs> the set of The Good Place. I look, wait, is it actually? It the set is of the actually good place? the set of the Good Place. Wait, Holy what? Shit. Yeah, I know it was the set. It was the former set of the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, as well. Oh. Is that's that. so cool? I had no idea it was the I set of the no Good Place. Clue. I know. I it learned makes that so much sense. It makes me so happy. Oh, that's so great. I love that level for the Good Place. Like they're yeah. just working <laughs> on those metatextual layers. Like, <laughs> I, I I love that for the, like the subtext that it adds to the Good Place. Um, but like most of these stories, you know, we're all just gallivanting around the town square. We're picking up apples and like going to fishmongers. It's life. Um, and, and Cinderella is there with her evil stepmother and evil stepsisters. Mm -hmm. Um, the evil stepmother played by another goat. My queen. 
Bernadette, Bernadette! Peters. Oh. She's perfect. She's... Hire a pro. Get a pro. <laughs> She's so fucking good. She's yeah. good in everything. I actually just rewatched the like filmed version of Into the Woods, mm-hmm. the like original Broadway cast. So I'm just like riding high on like love for Bernadette right now because I'm just like she's a fucking champion. Everything yeah. she does, she just owns. She comes in, slays, owns, amazing, oh. then leaves, and you're like, where did she go? Well, one thing, she's and like I the tightest vibrato ever. It's oh my god, remarkable. I think you you may because you've also read that oral history, so please help me out if there's anything I miss here. But, like, I remember reading that apparently the stepmother was, like, a really difficult role to cast. Like, was one of the most difficult roles to cast in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted Bette Midler originally because the same team had done uh, essentially what they did with Cinderella with uh, uh, Gypsy in 1993. And when they were originally developing this, they were developing it with Whitney Houston as Cinderella. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they wanted Bette Midler to come in and play the... uh, evil stepmother and she was like no not at all and they went to like a bunch of other white like broadway legends and they were like no and apparently a lot of the reason was like we don't want to be mean to like a black woman on screen in like a position of like the power dynamic position of the evil stepmother in cinderella Mm -hmm. which is a very like i like Honestly, I'm kind of like that's a that's a level of awareness that I was really kind of surprised to read about in 1993 mm-hmm. when they were shopping this around. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally, they got a pro. They got Bernadette. They got the best possible option. <sighs> oh yeah. Is there? A, yeah, she, like genuinely, like one of the best comedic musical theater actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh my like, god! Period. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. God. She's. She's she's the she's the goat, and she's like, always like exactly herself. Like you always know it's her, but she's still so good at like every role she ever does. Right? She's. Do you, have you ever watched um, Mozart in the Jungle at all? No. It's so the first couple seasons are good. It fall fell off for me a little bit, but Bernadette Peters plays the artistic director of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra Ooh. in it, and she is like she's just like. If you ever wanted to see Bernadette Peters as an artistic director of anything, it is one of the most satisfying. Yeah. First of all, the first two seasons of that show are are incredible. But she's so funny and is just like that that still level of like self-confidence and self-assurance that she brings into every single role. Mm -hmm. Just like front and center in something that doesn't necessarily rely on her singing. And even this, they gave her a song from another yeah, from uh, Boys from Syracuse. I have used that song in auditions too. Nice. Really? Mm-hmm. It just because of the great. Shakespeare tie-in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bernadette has this great like ability to be someone who is so completely themselves and confident and like almost like not inhuman with how like confident they are, but also be the most neurotic person on stage. Yeah. At all times. Like, constantly having that that dichotomy of, like, I am in charge of this scene, but I am also falling apart inside. <laughs> like, and it, it is the funniest, like, like combo of features ever. And truly, I don't think anyone does it better than Bernadette. No. no. Um, the stepsisters are played by Vianne Cox and Natalie DeSalle. I hope I pronounced that right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Broadway people. Yeah. Like, just a bunch of really, really good Broadway people. And you can tell from the minute these two actors open their mouth that these are fucking stage actors. Oh, my God. They're so... Just the entrance of the three of them, like, with Bernadette taking those tiny steps, and they're just, like, 
loud and like dress so much differently than everybody else. Like, you know that these people are obnoxious in the most delicious way. Is the only thing that I could describe Bernadette Peters' costumes as a Regency cheetah print. Like, <laughs> she looks like, she looks like, like, a rich white woman in the suburbs, like, constantly <laughs> just, like, wearing these over-the-top dresses that have, like, they all have some sort of crazy pattern right around, like, the torso line, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. The costumer on this also... Um, oh my goodness, did I just Bridgerton, had Bridgerton, her... right? It's the same yeah. person who did Bridgerton. Same person who did Bridgerton. Fucking yeah. amazing. I feel like all of her costumes are the, like, whatever this era's version of, like, the woman who absolutely would ask to speak to the manager at every single point. Mm. Yeah. See, and this is, to me, I guess, this is, like, the role in, in Cinderella. If I'm thinking about, like, who I would want to play. I'm just like, the evil stepmother is, like, the best role in this show. Mm. It's like Ursula in Little Mermaid. It's like, why wouldn't you want to play that role? Yeah, like you get like a long break, but then you get to absolutely stop the show. Yeah, yeah. a thousand percent. I feel like it's that or the fairy godmother. Yeah, that's where I'm headed is like you get yeah. one really big song and then you kind of take a break, but you look amazing. Yeah, yeah. but you're the, like the show stopping number. Spend like you, four days on set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get to chill. You get to come on. And like if you're doing the stage show, you get to do all of the cool like stagecraft, like costume change magic shit mm-hmm. which is going to be the like the biggest spectacle of the show you come on you fucking slay you do the coolest shit the audience loves it and then you're like bye bitches like it's it's a great gig teching that just seems like a headache to me yeah you, but once you, you guys do have, it you all have fun with the fairy godmother role no it's like it's that it's like me and my daughters will be in the other in the green room <laughs> it's like the original version of the like the let it go that they do on stage where it's just like costume change it's like the it is like the costume costume change that exists on Broadway. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the Cinderella. The, the Cinderella turning the dress and just like, bam. It's like, that is the moment of the show. I guess I've never seen this live. Yeah, it's, it's the magical costume change. It's all, it's all about that. Have you seen this live, Tina? I have not. I've seen a lot of footage of the most recent Broadway revival, Same. which I gotta say, I mean, I feel like any version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, after having seen this one, cannot possibly hope to live up without some like serious magic so i was just kind of like it's missing some of my favorite songs from the movie and mm-hmm. like it's a bunch of white people and it's i don't know it like th- the this version is so successful because it's like totally fantasy like confection like the colors are amazing the vibe is great but the performances are while super theatrical so rooted in like human people living their fucking lives and like just happening to sing um yeah and and i think like i at least with the most recent revival it's like goes back to like this is a fairy tale and we're doing a fairy tale and like Mm -hmm. that's not my vibe i just really dig this one so like Mm -hmm. everything else kind of (laughs) can't no i 100 percent buy that we'll get to talking about the how great uh um Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber are Ugh. in a minute, but yeah, I think what you were talking about is like it's just it's a good marriage of forms. Yes, mm-hmm. like where I think there is an innate disappointment in. I think it, it's interesting to see like we had the recent Broadway revival that really went all in on the theater of it, and then we had the like the recent like Lily James version that went Ugh. all in all in on the like film of it, and neither of those particularly worked. Mm-hmm. as well as the one that blended the two. And I don't know what it is about this story and this show that makes that blend so well, but it does. 
I, I gotta say, every single time somebody brings up the 2015 Lily James Cinderella, <laughs> I remember that that's a movie. Yeah. I forget. That, I've never seen it. I forget that it existed. Like, yeah, people I've are like, well, you know, the first it. live action like of these Disney reboots was this Kenneth Branagh Cinderella. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I <laughs> guess I thought we started at Maleficent. Uh, like, like, whatever. Listen, I would follow Kate Blanchett off a cliff. I, she can do anything <laughs> she wants. Spit in my mouth. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> I hated that movie with a white hot passion. It made me so irrationally angry and I just like will never I haven't watched it since. I will never let it go. I just like know that I fucking hated it. Is it purely just like the casting of it or is it just like anything story wise? Is it cuz it's 9 hours long since so it's kind of well, It movie? is very long. I mean the costumes are gorgeous, but I was just is that's like the main takeaway. The costumes yeah, are gorgeous. Yeah, the costumes are amazing, but like it's the problem with all these Disney reboots where it's like you just remade this movie and didn't take the chance to do anything new with it. Yeah. Why does this exist? I don't need this to exist. And I Yeah, like the I mean I said this before, but like Lily James, like, I'm having a hard time buying your, like, struggle of, like, how is he ever going to love me as I am? You're Lily fucking James. I don't care if you, like, have a smudge on your face. Like, (laughs) your problems don't ring true to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those where it's, like, it's it's an adaptation of the more boring version of the story. Mm -hmm. Like, the original, which I hate. Um, And I'm like, if you're gonna do, like, a live-action, like, retelling of Cinderella... Just do something like Ever After that's like actually making other choices. Go full Brothers Grimm. Have the slipper (laughs) break on the foot. Glass everywhere. Glass everywhere. (laughs) Stab somebody with the glass slipper. (laughs) She's got a knife. (laughs) (laughs) The stepmother turned the the glass slipper into a shiv and was just using that. She just breaks it off, just has the stiletto heel and is like, back up. Marry my daughter at knife point. (laughs) Where's that subversion, Sondheim? Anyway. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry I just always forget that that movie exists Uh, (laughs) um, anyway we get to this scamp Prince Christopher how dare he (laughs) how dare he be this dreamy Mm -hmm. that is my statement very dreamy it's a good looking chap he's a pretty man he's a good looking chap Mm-hmm. Great boys too. Yeah, yeah, Paolo Montalban. Yeah, so is he a Broadway person? He yeah. is a Broadway person. He's got a voice like that's gold. He was mm-hmm. apparently he was understudying the young lover and play, he was one of the chorus members in The King and I on Broadway when they were um, doing auditions for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, fun story about this dude who seems, at least from the oral history and like what I've looked up, like a total gem. This guy seems like a real like class act, but he. Played the prince in Cinderella in high school. (gasps) Then got to do it here. Then they revived it in 2001 at the Kennedy Center. And it ran from like November of 2001 to like May of 2002. And he was the prince in that as well. Because of the popularity of the movie. Fuck yeah! darling! Yeah, so this dude is just kind of like one of those, like, I've played the prince in 12 different productions of Cinderella. (laughs) Good for him. He does it well. Yeah, it's uh, and I like. There's a lot of really great literature in the in the oral history about like, just about like the how how meaningful it was for him and for his family to like see a Filipino actor playing the prince mm-hmm. in this movie. And it uh, again, it's just like the dude's got charisma out the wazoo, a gorgeous singing voice, you know, very pretty face. This guy's mm-hmm. you know he's, so he's awesome. Hot. He's yeah, so he's hot. super hot. It makes me mad. 
Yeah. It's something to see, like, somebody, like, who looks like Brandy just, like, stop and look at him and be like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> that's when you, like, game recognizes game. Like a like, 10 in this recognizing case. a 10. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, shit. All right, this is going to be kind of hard. All right. Yeah, someone else tries to speak to her, and she's like, I'm only speaking to the 10s in the room. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, this motherfucker, this is why I like this version of the prince. Mm-hmm. Uh so he's dressed as a, he's dressed as a commoner. He's Aladdin. He's Aladdin. Yeah, he's Jasmineing. He's Jasmineing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, love that when when royals do that. Mm-hmm. He's in yeah. He's in a solid color shirt, so you know he's dressed like a commoner. Um, <laughs> there's no pattern. <laughs> so he's like running through, you know, the singing his song, um, which is from another Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, not yeah. from Cinderella. Um, I love this song too. I love the duet. I love the harmonies they did. Mm-hmm. I think they sound rules. so good together. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they sound great together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she, because she's Cinderella and just carrying, I think, conservatively four hundred and seventeen boxes, <laughs> um, almost gets run over by a horse and carriage. Her upper body is just like crazy. Oh, she's, she's <laughs> built. This, this lady's jacked. <laughs> this Cinderella lifts. Yeah. <laughs> you ever Lily just, James is just like sweeps a little bit, but like the real Cinderella fucking yeah. lifts. <laughs> Cinderella's yoked as fuck. <laughs> um, but she almost gets run over by a horse and carriage that legit like just like does not see anyone in front of them. Um, the horses trample all over all the boxes. And then this prince, I never caught this before this viewing, is like, oh, that must be the royals, right? They suck, right? Like, they really su-. He's, like, really trying to catfish her into saying some, something fucked up about him and his Henry family. situation. Yeah, he's just yeah. like, just like say, yeah, say, say what you want. Like, give me the unfiltered truth. Uh-huh. But because she's it's super, a trap. Yeah, because she's super nice, she's like, yeah, I'm sure they got somewhere to be. Mm-hmm. They're never going to notice someone like me. I'm just Brandy Norwood. <laughs> I'm just the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It's saying something. There's like, you got Whitney Houston in this movie, Bernadette Peters and Brandy. It's incredible. It's a very hot It's a movie of tens. Plus Paolo Montalban and Jason Alexander. Victor Garber. Victor Garber. (laughs) Victor Garber is one of the only ones, though, in this movie that I don't look at as exclusively like, Ah, Victor Garber, the king from Cinderella. I look at him and I go, Ah, Victor Garber, the shitty professor from Legally Blonde. (laughs) Those two are about on par for me. Like, those are his biggest... Mm -hmm. And obviously, Antony from Sweeney Todd. Oh, yeah. But it's why I can't trust him. I can't trust Victor Garber in movies, because I'm just like, No, you're just going to screw this person over like you screwed over Elle Woods. That's why I love him so much. I mean, not that, sc- not that he screwed over Elle Woods. I just love that he can do, like, creepy and gross, but also, like, be the best dad in the world. This is true. That's still, like, man, if I was a kid, I'd bang my, my son's girlfriend. <laughs> 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 what a wild take. What a moment. Like, yeah, if I was a kid, I'd fuck that girl. Like, whoa! But I love Whoopi calling him out. Like, excuse so me? Like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. But that's and he's like, I'd still love you because you're the only ten in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> to me, game recognized game. <laughs> that that is the reason why, like upon rewatching it, I really think that's the reason why this movie does get away with being as fantastical as it is in terms of its design elements, and as grounded as it is in its performances, is purely because of Whoopi and Victor Garber. Oh, it's like relationship goals on the next level. 
Mm-hmm. They they just seem so comfortable with each other and mm-hmm. comfortable with themselves and both comfortable being royal and like mm-hmm. mouthing off to their kid and treating Jason Alexander like shit. And, like, <laughs> and this incredible game Whoopi Goldberg's got where she's just making these like high pitched dog noises constantly. <laughs> so good. But, yeah, it just like their performances feel so grounded that the rest of the movie can then get away with being as over the top as like Bernadette Peters' performances. Mm-hmm. And um, this is what I'm saying too about like I said this on We the People too, but like I think a lot of people get stuck in the like casting kind of minefield of like color conscious casting, but also like honoring what a family in big quotes looks like, and like people mm-hmm. like using that as an excuse to not cast a wide and diverse net when they're hiring people, mm-hmm. but like. I buy that Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber had Paolo Montalban as their son, even though they're, like, all of different racial identities and backgrounds, because they act like a fucking family. Who gives a shit? Suspension of disbelief. It's also a movie. Like, this isn't real. Yeah. (laughs) Who gives a shit? Like. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I mean, it's like, yeah. As long as they act like a family, and they do have a really good family chemistry. Yeah. I was saying this also to Lauren about like, I, this is one of the other things I, I really love about this and about the casting in this movie is it feels so much more inherently theatrical mm-hmm. because like, and you know, it's everybody went, you know, had different experiences with this, but like for my personal experience in theater with where I grew up, like I was explaining to Lauren, I was like, yeah, when we did Grease, it was like, we had a Filipino Danny and a Filipino Frenchie and a black Sonny and like a black Rizzo and all the, and like a white Kaniki and like, all, like there was just like nobody there. Like that was just the people that made up our drama club. So like really like that never went into account with casting families unless it like had mm-hmm. to do with the show itself. Um, which it never did. Cause we were doing like 1950s musicals <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> It's not like we were doing, like, the glass menagerie or some shit again. But, yeah, so I don't know. Watching it, I was just kind of like, yeah, this feels like a play. This feels like a very normal play. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so the the prince is a little scamp here. We go back uh, home. Bernadette Peters treats Cinderella like shit. She sings My Own Little Corner, and it is endearing as fuck. I think I miss the days of of a movie musical just allowing the song to be the camera on a performer singing yeah. a song. Take I note, f- Tom Hooper. Yeah. I mean, he should never Ryan be allowed Murphy. near a musical ever again, but no. if he yeah. is. But I was watching, like, the Into the Woods movie, um, and I have, like, two observations. One, Bernadette Peters should have played the witch still. I yes. will die on that throne. Yep. Uh, I will die on that hill to this day. Uh, two, I still remember watching that for the first time and seeing... Um, Oh gosh, what's the, what's the name of a uh, little red song? Um, I, I know, know things, things now. now. Yeah, and like the the movie was not confident enough that that song is complex enough or like interesting enough to just have us watch the song. It's Sondheim. It's Sondheim. All it is, the work for you. It's incredibly dense, like storytelling, and like the ideas in there are so like, immense and so profound, and yet they're still, like, we need to do this, like, puppetry sequence to, like, go away from the performer just per- singing the song, where it's, like, this this shows, like, this production shows that it can be perfectly fine and good storytelling to just have a camera on a performer singing a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really miss when <clears throat> that was enough, that we didn't also have to, like, oh, it's a solo, so we have to have a montage on top of it. It's like, no, I want to see what their face is when they're yeah. singing this. 
I want to know what the what their journey is. I don't care about these other people you're showing me. Well, and this is also why you hire pros to do the job is because they know how to sell a song for the whole yeah. song. Mm-hmm. I also, I don't know if this is common practice, but they, they talk about this in the oral history as well. Um, the uh, the director, um, Robert Ivesco, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. um, also directed future movie that we're definitely doing on this podcast, She's All That. I can't wait to do it. Um, <gasps> oh, don't know when we're going to do it, but I love that movie. Can't oh, wait to talk you, about baby, it. Baby, oh, baby. I was just a bet. But uh, uh, anyway, we <laughs> he talks about the, the singing for it being like... Um, he also directed from Justin to Kelly, so I figured you'd like that. But, oh, uh, baby. <laughs> oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, Where baby. all of the actors had to be comfortable singing live the first 8 to 16 bars of their song mm-hmm. so that they would sing live and then the track would slowly rise up so that then they would start singing with the track. Hmm. But it ended up, like, blending and making the songs and the performances into the songs feel organic because the actors already got used to what it was like to be breathing the way that you breathe when you sing and acting with the amount of emotion that come to you when you breathe that deeply. It was, like... Crazy. (laughs) It's like they solved Tom Hooper's problem 20 years ahead of time, and he just (laughs) went... No, thank you. He just went, no, I'd actually rather have six different versions of doing songs and make it way more complicated. Yeah. Like, I, that that's great. That's I really truly, interesting. I think he, as a filmmaker to me, is like <laughs> the person making the musicals who just like hates musicals. <laughs> and yeah. the form of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, he, I, I, I don't think he's ever seen a musical. <laughs> I think he's listened to them. Yeah. Like, he, like, listened to Les Mis on his way to the pitch meeting for Les Mis. Mm-hmm. And was yeah. like, I got an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's the same way that I feel about, like, some superhero movies that are, like, trying to be so gritty and so real. Because they're just like, no, we're not going to be like the other super superhero movies. This isn't going to be silly or fun. It's going to be dark. It's you're Joker. Like, it's like, got to be dark. <laughs> It's like, so you're embarrassed of the source material that you're adapting. Yeah, the form that you're working. And I'm, like, all about fucking with form, but, like, making it, uh, I mean, at least in the case of, like, Les Mis, like, making it gritty and realistic, like, it's, they're already singing the entire time. There's mm-hmm. nothing realistic about that, and it doesn't serve the form at no. all. Yeah, I mean, I and then you fuck with the form within the form that you're fucking with, and you get shitty things, like even shittier things inside of shitty things, like their and master. And you hire of the house, people who like can't sing the songs that they have. And to then sing. you, and also like then you don't do the most famous image of the entire show, which is Ugh. one day more, where they're all in the same shot. They're not in the same shot. You're just cutting between them like a montage. Why? It's the most famous part of the entire show. Why does it look and sound like shit? But in this movie. <laughs> We do get that image because Tina we and I see have just very intense yeah. thoughts on movie musicals. This is they can't all be, be Mama seven Mia. hours long, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We see Cinderella in her own little corner, which yes. is a big mm-hmm. image. So, <laughs> um, let's get to the princess throwing a ball. Let's mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. because Absolute this sequence, banger. well, the ball's rolling. You oh can't my god! Stop it. Um, so great yeah. joke. They're like, well, we're gonna we're gonna throw you a ball, and the and the queen, Queen Whoopi Goldberg, the the mother that we all want, and the queen that we deserve, <laughs> the queen that we deserve, um, is is trying so hard to marry off her her son, <laughs> and and I get it, you know, when, I'm sure I'm sure with genes like his, you're like, we don't know how long this is gonna last. We gotta get these offspring. <laughs> we gotta get these kids looking good. Um, <laughs> 
but is like, we're going to throw a ball. We're going to get you married. And Prince Chris is like, nah, I'm, I'm really not. I don't want to get married right now. I was going to go on this whole like backpacking adventure and go hiking for a year. Who says you can't do that while married, Chris? Yeah. So they're like, we're going to throw a ball and Lionel, Jason Alexander. That's his name? His name is Lionel. I never got that name. Yeah. Um, I forgot it. It's the second most prominent thing about his character. I called him Jason Alexander the whole time in my brain. Besides, this goatee. is the only role I know. Like, this is the role I associate with him because I've never seen Seinfeld, and sure. so like as a child, I was like, "That's the guy from Cinderella." That's oh, you don't just think of him as the gargoyle role. from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes, oh, yeah. his also most famous true. role. Oh man, another one where the tone is just completely <laughs> off from so much of that movie. Um, I love that movie. I think it's the best same. Disney score of uh, all of them. Same, Tina. <laughs> Every time they do the the like main theme up way high, like that's a How dare just, like, they? Slaying. Oh, love it's so it. Gorgeous. Goosebumps every time. <laughs> I'm merely talking about, like, the fart jokes intermixed with the whole, like, uh, let me, like, scream whole, at like, this Romani Victor woman. Hugo <laughs> of it all? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Victor Hugo, big fan of farts. <laughs> Huge fan of fart jokes. Also, <laughs> Kevin Klein, my king Kevin Klein, my pirate Truth. king. Truth. Uh, yeah. We can't do an episode with you without mentioning Kevin. I think if you've been on for exclusively musicals or musical adjacent and movies. And Bandit Lake Beckham also. Which, is, which has a banging soundtrack, though. True. So. Very true. And well, and was turned into a musical. Was turned into a musical. There you go. So, Tina and nothing has a is type. not consistent. There you go. You got a brand. Yeah, she <laughs> has a brand. I have always been this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So we get into this uh, incredibly elaborate song about all of the preparation that needs to go into throwing a ball because they're throwing this ball correct me if i'm wrong they're throwing this ball tonight yes yeah uh tomorrow tomorrow i think oh, okay yeah that's not that bad mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because they have the song and then my own little corner same night and then the next day is when it happens is though we're throwing up yeah. okay but mm-hmm. still that's like only a few hours to get ready for this it's not great mm-hmm. turnaround time but custodial staff. he does all of the, like, catering, sourcing, and buying all of the supplies during the song. So he gets it done in record time. And he does it all locally. Like, yeah. let's give Lionel credit where it's due. He locally sourced everything. No, it's amazing what you can do through the power of montage. Like, it can solve everyone's problems. Also, the, I got to carve out time to talk about this. This cheese invite list <gasps> in the middle of this yes. song? Yes. Holy uh. shit. Uh. I want to be invited to this ball so badly. I, I don't want to marry the prince. I just want cheese. Ugh. I'm like Excuse I'm me. Uh, I'm on this horrible um, elimination diet right now to deal with some fun health issues. Love uh, it. Don't grow up, kids. It sucks, and your body turns against you. But um, I'm <laughs> off cheese right now. And when I was watching it most recently, I was like, "How dare this movie do this to me?" <laughs> don't so they know what I'm going <laughs> through? Uh, personally, in 1997, <laughs> did they not know? <laughs> 23 years later, I'd be watching this movie. Yeah. But my favorite, um, okay, who are your favorites? Because I have a clear favorite, like, group of artisans and craftspeople in this number, and I want to know if mine's the same as yours. Ooh. I'm a huge fan of the floral. Pe- like, yeah. I was a huge mm-hmm. fan of the flower, like, the, oh my god, what are they called? Mm-hmm. Florists? Horticul- Florists? Horticulturists? Sure. Florists? <laughs> Botanists? My, my grandfather was a, was a botanist, and I never, I don't remember that name. Um, <laughs> you did now, so yeah. we'll give yeah. you credit. It's mainly just because I'm I'm always, and it's that theatery thing of just kind of like, 
whatever my job is, if I'm the baker, that's going to inform all of my physicality. <laughs> and, my, and so the my hands, yeah, the kneading the dough. The florists are like, I'll s- stand up straight like a flower. And so I just always was like. Wow, they look so regal. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, what, wait, what? What are yours, Lauren? I'm all about the cheese. Like, yeah, honestly, I was focused on the cheese for a lot of this number. I'm not gonna lie to you. All right, yeah. Tina, how are we wrong? Which ones should we have been paying attention to? Listen, you are so incorrect, but I respect <laughs> your stances. But it's gotta be these like super dramatic meat men with just meat on spikes. And I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for more than half my life. Yeah, I baby. love Same. the meat men. So, <laughs> I love so, them so much. Hold on one second. We're going to give me shit for calling them flower men, but we're not going to give you shit for not knowing butcher? Like, no, they're they're just, they don't have like a cleaver or anything. Like They're just holding meat on sticks. They're just like the meat barbells. men. Yeah, and, and they're, 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 they're like, they just deliver the meat. Yeah, and they're doing these like little box steps with a little catch, and the music goes into minor when they come on, and it's very dramatic, and I Ooh. like love it. I just oh. love that moment so much. I love the meat men dance for the minor meat men minuet. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> put that on my headstone. <laughs> Tina died like she lived as minor <laughs> meat men min- minuet. And now I need to listen to the Pirates of Penzance again. <laughs> Do Get it. nostalgic. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, this this number is... I would say this is probably the biggest number in the movie. Yeah. yeah. This or the big dance number at the mm-hmm. ball. Yeah, another fun part of the oral history, Jason Alexander talks about how they had to break up the filming of this into a bunch of segments, mm-hmm. so much so that they they did not realize... Like, they were like, this is going to be shit. Mm. Like, he was like, we didn't think it was going to come together, and then you watch it on film, and you're like, wow, this looks incredible. It's so mm. good. It's also, speaking of Into the Woods, the movie choreographed and staged by Rob Marshall, mm-hmm. who went on to direct all of those movies. Mm-hmm. He did uh, he did Chicago, Chicago, he did the new Mary Poppins, Chicago. he did Into the Woods, Guys, he did... Chicago is like the gold standard. I know y'all have said on this podcast before that it shouldn't have won Best Picture that year, and every time you say that on an episode, I scream in my apartment. <laughs> I'd like to say Ian has said that, not me. All right. See, uh, we're always on the same page. Sorry that I love the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. <laughs> sorry, I love Chicago. Yeah, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, I love Velma Kelly more. And I love Queen Latifah most, I think. I, I, I'm firmly, firmly okay with the Catherine Zeta-Jones Academy Award win. Even yeah. though, like, I would have been cool with the Queen Latifah win as well. I went, but, I went as her for, uh, as Velma Kelly for Halloween. Good thing you corrected yourself there. <laughs> good thing you clarified which one you did. Wait, well, Lauren, <laughs> are we going to do a production of Chicago together? Is we this should. what I'm hearing? We absolutely should, Tina. As, as Roxy and Velma? That would be incredible. Ian, will you yeah. please play Billy Flynn? Oh, please. yeah! You would be so good. You'd be great! I want to be Amos. I oh, be, I've always be wanted to be also Amos. Great. I think, yeah, like a tall Amos, like that would be great. It's just because like that was the first time I ever saw John C. Riley in anything, oh, and I was so like, good. I want to be him. Did, <laughs> so he, did he get nominated? He did. Oh, uh-huh. rightfully so. Because that was like the year. This is such a weird trivia fact. I can't believe I know this. That was a year where it was like of the five movies nominated for Best Picture, John C. Riley was in like three of them, and Dang, it was like a really. Wow. He was in like Gangs of New York and Chicago and like like the hours or some bullshit like a movie that shouldn't have been nominated but Mm. like 
Anyway, yeah. I love when we do movies where everyone knows the plot, and it's like, it's Cinderella. Yeah, you it's Cinderella. Yeah, it's Cinderella. We, we, we just go on tangents for five hours, and it's yeah. like, oh, you get the idea. It's Cinderella. All right, we'll go back. So we got to get these stepdaughters <laughs> ready to go to this to this dumbass ball. Am you I right? You know how it goes. <laughs> um, this is, They're I've, being evil and whatnot. They're I've not always, even that evil, though. Like, yeah. Bernadette's a stone-cold bitch, and I love it. But, like, they're just kind of, like, Obnoxious. bad at flirting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would absolutely kill to play one of these characters. Again, yeah. they're like That's my casting in they're, the show. They're like the redhead daughters in Bridgerton. Exact like it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Can't believe I'm referencing that show, but yeah. <laughs> Don't act like you didn't have a good time. <laughs> but um He had a great time. Yeah. I haven't but, watched it yet. It's fine. I know. Everyone's so pretty, Tina, you're gonna love it. Listen, you know I love anything sexy and British, so like I'm it's- gonna love it. It's all just contrived bullshit drama and hot people and and wearing amazing clothes. Julie oh. Andrews. It's mainly just like the dude. Again, we're segueing oh. away from this. The dude, oh. Rega Jean Paul. Oh yeah. my God. Maybe the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my Genuinely, life. Genuinely, whenever he was on screen, yeah. I would just turn to Lauren and be like, that is the hottest man I've ever seen in my it life. It is unfair. <laughs> he my number takes one, my breath yeah, away. My number one celebrity male crush for most of my life has been Dev Patel. And then I saw that dude on screen and I was like, Dev, get out of here, my guy. <laughs> They're very um, different types. You well, know. then we watched Personal History of David Copperfield, and Ian went, all right, Dev, you're back Ooh. on the table. Dev, welcome, welcome back, back to my life. I love Listen, you, my guy. I get it. I get it. it you can't, it's, a, it's, a, it's like truly illegal to be that charismatic and handsome. It's not, it's not cool. So charming. Anyway. Those eyes. Um, uh, Stepsisters? Stepsisters, some <laughs> bullshit. Oh, this has always bothered me with the story of Cinderella. Okay. This is what I want to talk about. Not necessarily this version. The fact that everyone suddenly has face blindness at the halfway point. <laughs> oh my god, she's got better powers than Superman. This is incredible. <laughs> no, it's... I do want to talk about that. Fairy Godmother just has a cloaking device, I guess. But yeah. Cinderella works hard all the time, 24-7. Mm. She is on it, serving these terrible, ungrateful step-family members. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, we're all going to the ball. Cinderella, you're not going with us. Screw you. We're off. <laughs> I would think that Cinderella's like, sweet, staycation night in. I'm going to draw a bath. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to have a little bit of me time. It's TLC. It's t- it's time to take care of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And then the fairy godmother shows up and is like, oh, no, you're, you're, you're leaving tonight, sweetie. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but I was... The hustle never stops. The hustle never stops for Cinderella. <laughs> I just want this girl to have a night for herself. She does. She's a, she's got her own little corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not enough anymore, Ian. Her little corner is not enough. She yes. wants bigger things. Yes. It's, it's Ian, I know that we're all old now, but you have to remember that time in your life. <laughs> when I was a 17-year-old who lived with my son. <laughs> when you, like, when you were, went to school all day and then you went to rehearsal and then you were like, I still want to go out, baby. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Give me a monster energy. Let's party. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. I know that it's hard to remember that time because now yeah. we all go to bed at 9 p.m., but, like, there was a time. I used to call 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. That used to be called fourth meal time. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, everybody's fairy godmother. Whitney Houston shows back up. The music's in me. The music's in you. We all know this. (laughs) And and sings Impossible. And it's a banger. Yeah, it's the best song in this in this movie. Yeah. So and she's just. I mean, she's like you can't take your eyes off her. She's amazing. She's like 
super just like grounded in like the character but also like she you know she's a fucking star so she just gets to like be there and be Whitney yeah I love it and it made me cry I mean like anytime she showed up I've like burst into tears immediately but it's It's also just like the warmth of her smile Mm -hmm. like whenever you know they're not not to put too much of like a meta narrative on it but it's the one of the things they talk about in the the Kendra James oral history of it is that they all were like, oh, we're doing something really cool and special now, but we didn't realize how special it would be. And specifically the people who are saying this are the white creators behind it. We're like, we didn't realize how Mm -hmm. important this was going to be until like 20 years later and seeing like kids coming up to us on the street being like, wow, this was really important. But there was like, think about it. It's like, there's a reason Whitney Houston was like Cinderella. We are doing Cinderella. We're putting a black woman to Cinderella. We're doing that from like 1993 was like trying to get this movie made. And every time you get, like, an incredible close-up of her, she's just, like, beaming with, like, the, the smile of a thousand suns that's just kind of, like, I, I like, truly, like, I bless this movie and I bless yeah. this experience for you all. <laughs> and it's great. I love it. I, I really, really, really love it. I don't so like a lot of musical movies. And this one just, like, cuts right to my, like, the soft spot of me, like, being an eight-year-old and being like, that lady. Yeah. That lady rocks. Yeah. Um, she turns a pumpkin into a carriage. Mm-hmm. I love this because the carriage still looks like a pumpkin. It's mm-hmm. great. So it's like a humble pump. It's like a humble carriage. This mm-hmm. carriage remembers where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and like, you're not going to forget that entrance. No. No. Then she turns mice into footmen. This is where I have questions. Do this these is, footmen- This is the point at which post pumpkin, but pre mice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pumpkins are inanimate. I don't care. Do these footmen have the brains of mice still? Yes. Do they have all of the memories from when they were mice? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. There is a moment where they are on the ground and you can see that they're like, how do I stand up? But they figure it out. They're quick learners. They figure it out. I think she has. Footmen's she also, in the like, job. She definitely also has some like mind magic going on. Because like, mm-hmm. she definitely can like, I guess the only way that I can excuse some of this stuff is like, yeah, the fairy godmother is like, she can kind of mind control, like, low-level beings to, to be like, cool, you're a footman now, deal with it, come, come over here. And then she can also, like, go to everyone at the ball and be like, you remember that there was a girl and she was great, but you suddenly don't remember her face. Like, that's the only, like, way I can explain it. Does fairy godmother? Because, like, yeah, I just, I'll talk about it later. I'll talk about it later because I have thoughts. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm down to start. We can start talking about that. It's Cinderella. We all know the I don't understand plot. why the prince comes to their house at the end and is like, try on this slipper. When he danced with both of them, he knows that they were there at the same time that this other girl was there. You know that they can't be two people at once. You were with her while that girl, <laughs> you were literally dancing with one of them when the other girl walked in and you're still like, maybe it was you. But he's like, had such a long day, Lauren. Like I don't know. I think slippers on she's feet the girl that days. was scratching herself. You don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, but I guess you know, have... for appearances as a politician, you have to, you know, give everyone a fair shake. You know, I mean, I you know this as a politician. This world. I would understand if they were just like, oh, it's another girl I danced with. It's the fact that he danced with them and had very awkward interactions, <laughs> like very memorable moments. My favorite thing is when Bernadette Peters puts the glass slipper on and it does fit. <laughs> She's like, oh, shit. And he, like, in front of her is just like, no, this is impossible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of like, again, it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be, I, I, you know, it's part of the fairy tale of it all. You don't remember the person who it was. Um, 
God, just reminds me of that that great Julio Torres bit. I think I've shown that to you. Julio Torres is, has this incredible bit on his comedy special on um, <laughs> oh, yeah. on uh, HBO. I, I like highly, highly recommend people go check it out. But he's got a bit about like the, the people who work for the Prince and Cinderella. <laughs> the Prince is like, I've got, I figured out how we're gonna find her. We're gonna go to every woman in this village. I'm gonna try on this shoe. It's like, or. We could just ask who's losing a shoe. Like, it's it's pretty... I'm pretty sure there are you other options. You could just options. ask who has the other shoe. Yeah. And well, just tell him to give that to us. I mean, if we're questioning the reality of any of this, which I already have issues with because it's a musical and a fairy tale, and yes. nothing makes sense, but why doesn't the shoe tra- like transform back at midnight? Why is the glass slipper still Magic. a thing? See, okay. That's but if we're going to say that about one thing... No, I would also like to this. say that I love this. You know, while we're talking about this slipper, it I should also turn wanna... back into a sensible heel. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to say about this slipper, and I've always thought this: glass slippers. <laughs> You've always thought this. I've always thought this. Whenever I see Cinderella, I've thought, you know what? Glass slippers, ugly as fuck. You should have another look. <laughs> I don't think it's good. I think especially when you're wearing like stockings underneath it. It's just like, I don't want to see your squished little feet inside that <laughs> glass slipper. You know what? I've never wanted to see a little smushed up foot like through glass. You know, I don't want to see that. I rest my case. No one wants to see feet like that. Yeah, that's why they cut that famous Rodgers and Hammerstein song. Uh, how much are those toesies in the window there? <laughs> 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 I just think it's like, I don't need to see that. <laughs> I, Feet are already not something I really like looking at, but like, especially when you're going to like squish them. The glass slipper of it all has always been the most anxiety and one of the most anxiety inducing factors of this story for me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a large person. If I'm wearing glass shoes, they're going to break. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm too heavy to wear glass slippers. Mm-hmm. Even if they're magical glass slippers. Even if they're... You, pff, you're gonna need to come with some stronger magic than that, fairy godmother. <laughs> I don't try. It's like doing trust fall exercise in theater classes. I'm like, like they're always like, "Don't worry, we'll get you." And I'm like, "I'm sure you think that, but <laughs> I am like six and a half feet tall. I'm very, very large. There's a lot of limbs that are gonna be going everywhere because I don't trust you people yet. So, um, but one thing yeah. though, I will say for this version is like the glass slipper feels kind of incidental. So yeah. Like, there's not a whole lot of time spent on it. I feel like other versions endow it with so much more, like, It's like the image. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the whole thing. But, like, this version feels like it relies on it so little that, like, I don't even care. Like, it's the thing that, like, brings us the happy ending at the end. But, like, we've already gone through the basically the whole journey of the story by the time it, we even, like, see the glass slipper. Yeah, it's also... I And I think that that's right. I mean, that's got to be right. Because... And it, it goes back to, like, that is part of the grounding energy of, like, the, the Victor Garber, Whoopi Goldberg of it all, of, like, the glass slipper... The glass slipper's a means to an end. It is not the, the romance. It is mm-hmm. not the story. It yeah. is not what... Like, the prince is not looking for the second slipper. He is looking for the person attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, while he does it... I wanted to... Oh, wait. Can we talk about ten minutes ago? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. we must. All right. First of all, love this song. Beautiful yeah. song. The song's great. Apparently, if you're to believe 
the oral history of this, which I'm hard pressed to think of, of anything to counter this. This was like the first time that they did camera movements countering the energy of like the choreography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it like made the spins of the waltzing like going even like wilder. So it was just like Paolo Montalban and Brandy Norwood dancing and the camera was spinning around them in the opposite direction. Mm. And like when they saw this footage, like in playback, they were like, holy shit, we just reinvented the form. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge thing now though. It's great. But there's one, there's one shot in particular that drew my attention this time. I don't know. Uh, this is obviously something very, very stupid to cling on to. When everybody's dancing and doing the waltz, there's a dance break in the song. There sure is. It's great, and there's a bunch of people in purple, doing a bunch of these, a bunch, a bunch of flower people with straight spines, lifting each other up and waltzing. At one point, this is how you know you got professional theater people here. At one point, one of the male dancers lifts his female partner, and and like pretty much transitions her to the other side of his body. While this is happening, there's another couple passing doing the same move. This actress, who's got to be probably like 5'8 or 5'9, like a, a taller actor, gets like lifted up and spun over, realizes she does not have enough room to clear this move, and just like adjusts in real time and mm-hmm. gets around. Mm. It is a thousand percent not the choreography. And I am so glad they left it in the finished product of this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, just. Watch her pick it up and just roll with it. And it's fucking awesome. And it's another moment where this movie kind of breaks the fourth wall and you remember like, oh, I'm watching a production of people that rehearsed this and know this and could do this in a wide shot, a mid shot, or a close up. And probably didn't have a ton of time to do a, a bunch of takes too. Yeah. Yeah, they had to get like, it this right. Is, yeah, yeah, this is like a scrappy production in that like they didn't have a huge budget and like they... They had to get it done sometimes in probably just like a few takes. You had to hire pros simply because they had to do it fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's And uh, because some of these shots are like pretty long shots too. Mm-hmm. And like I remember like the last like crane shot where it goes from inside to outside mm-hmm. where uh Cinderella and Prince Chris are dancing. <laughs> Prince Chris, I can't say it with the straight face. Um Do you wanna say his full name? He's got like twelve Christopher names. Christopher Rupert. Windermere Vladimir, Carl Alexander. I could do the whole thing and I won't because um, we've already. Why don't you start and then not do it, (laughs) Tina? Prove it. We don't give you these setups and and not want you to follow through. (laughs) Uh, His Royal Highness, Christopher Rupert, Windermere Vladimir, Carl Alexander, Francois Reginald, Lancelot Herman. Herman? Gregory James, he'll thank us for it later, is giving a ball. That's fucking great. Thank yeah, you. baby! Like, when I tell you we watched this movie a million times growing up, like, it could truly be a cool million. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I watched it this last time, I watched it the day it dropped on Disney+, Plus, um, and then again a few days later. But, like, the second it started and, like, until the final moment, like, everything was so vivid in my brain. I was just like, oh, my God, I still know the whole thing by heart. I know, the, like, what it looks like by heart. I know all the lines and the inflections on all of the lines by heart. I know, like, the little vocal, like, frills that people add. Like, I know this movie backwards and forwards, and it's it makes me so happy. Oh, that's great. Do we want to talk about how the, the castle that they have kind of looks like Floop's house from Spy Kids? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's in all, all the doors are oblong shapes. Like, this. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, the architecture of this place, like the entire nation, is very interesting. It looks like Bush Gardens Williamsburg. It's great. It's a Genovia situation. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is, this is a little odd. It's like adjacent to what we have, but not quite. I'm convinced this movie like was very formative in me developing my personal style because mm. like number one I'm here for all this weird quirky architecture with like fucking peacocks everywhere and like yeah, metallic baby. swirls and you know jewel tones but mm. also like the mixing of patterns and the like bright color palettes is like all of the I don't own like monochromatic clothes at all I don't own like a solid colored pair of pants or a solid <laughs> colored shirt um so I'm gonna blame or thank Cinderella for like <laughs> giving me my eclectic style that I like still have to this day. That's a good call. Love that. Yeah, yeah. no, that's like a, a big thing watching it this time was just noticing like wow these like these costumes are incredible. The the mm-hmm. art direction in this movie is so good. And I think it was pretty formative to like pieces of of like like musical like movies that we're seeing like original pieces that we're seeing mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. That'll yeah. talk about a little bit when we get to recommendations, but I think like this type of color palette and this like energy to it is is still being seen in in media to this day. Yeah, I mean it's it's world building. It's like mm-hmm. you know we have a fantastical story, we have a story with magic, so we have an opportunity to make this world a little bit different from the one mm-hmm. we live in, and like what's the most fun way to make that happen while still making it something that we can recognize as similar to what we know. Yeah, yeah, because nothing in this like you know. We're not seeing anything that we're like does not seem applicable or, or or adjacent to our world. It just all feels like just heightened enough to feel special, mm-hmm. just heightened enough to be like I want to live there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it does also look a little bit like Floop's house in Spy Kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> uh, next, Prince Chris and and uh, and Cinderella go out to the the foyer, where we get uh, why would the prince love a girl like her? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, which is another song an- that I've done. Another yeah, banger. <laughs> I yep. have also done that song. The straight tones. Hire Tina and I to play these two characters. Listen, you will not be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> after, I promise we can do some special shit. <laughs> after your run as Val McKelly and Roxy Hart, respectively. Just hire us. Play, yeah. Hire Tina and I. <laughs> we are a repertory team. Yeah. I love it. We only get hired together. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, this song is great. I love that the stepsisters only sing in straight tones. Yeah. It's so if smart. I see, if I hear even a little bit of a vibrato, you are out on the street. Yeah. Dead. You're done. Gone. Um, yeah, they're just, they're great. There's also a really fun bit here. I was reading a little bit of the, um, of the trivia where one of the daughters has an incredibly, um, uh, let's call it an obnoxious laugh. Uh, mm-hmm. just like a, just a great stage actor laugh mm-hmm. um, a great character bit and the other one uh, has a nervous itch which <laughs> I, genuinely very very disconcerting if somebody were to come up to me doing that <laughs> I would be very scared for them and, and honestly very scared for myself um, and when uh, like the prince is pushing past all of them to like run after Cinderella when she's like oh it's midnight I gotta I gotta bounce um they pushes past uh, Bernadette Peters, and she does both. Yeah. She does the scratch and the laugh. Amazing. Because she's like, well, where would they have gotten it from? They because she's it from. a god 
damn professional. Mm -hmm. She is, but it's like those bits that it's just like, yes, these all feel very much like the bits. Like we've all, you know, done shows with each other Mm -hmm. early in the morning for months at a time. It's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you you get bits. You get little things that makes each other laugh. You're just Mm trying constantly trying new things. And it's just so satisfying to watch because you're mm-hmm. getting these larger than life characters that again, just feel so like, like human. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also, again, to talk about, you know, feeling human. This is where Victor Garber just eyeballs the fuck out of Brandy at this stage. <laughs> 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 like Whoopi stays him down, but good God, He's like, man. congrats, my son. <laughs> He's like, that's my boy. And it's just like, oh God. And Ian, you mentioned it a second ago about how she has to be out by midnight. And I just want to say that, like, having gone to parties since I, like, watched original Cinderella, like, I think it's a really shitty deal Mm -hmm. to have to leave at midnight. Yeah, well, because she gets there at, like, 11.15. 11.15? She's got 45 minutes with the commute that it takes to get there. But also, like, no party starts getting cool until after midnight. Yeah. But, like, like good for her for, like, sick. making it all happen for herself in a very tight window. Yeah. 45 minutes. I'm just saying yeah. she was not helped very well. <clears throat> and within yeah. that, she goes right out to the garden and goes to the fairy godmother and is like, get me out of here. Come like, out, before, she, she's like, I am I can leave now. <laughs> like, I did what I came here to do. <laughs> also super relatable. I've been at this party 15 minutes and I would like to go home. <laughs> I talked to one boy, it was overwhelming, and I would like to go home. <laughs> Everyone was looking at me, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I ate too much of the cheese, and I would really like to go home now before I start farting. How much did you eat? Did you see how many there were? I had to try it all! <laughs> 40,000 cheeses. <laughs> um, Quick, here, hold the wheel. I'm going home with it. Uh, the prince, Prince Chris, falls head over heels in love with Cinderella. They sing that duet in the garden, too, yes. after the stepsisters have their yes. moment. I also love the trope of, like character who's like i don't need to fall in love i'm just gonna be me i don't want to fall in love with any dumb girl and then immediately it's like oh my god thank god you came along because i really don't want to die alone uh, <laughs> it's just like actually no i like really really want to cuddle it's like no like, you were fucking lying this whole last time baby like meg and hercules yeah yeah exactly like meg and hercules it's like <laughs> i don't need no man i don't need no girl and then it's like actually i'm secretly a huge romantic and i would really like to hold your I hand i would like right to now. kiss you if that's okay <laughs> Like, could we get married right now? <laughs> it's just like, I, it makes my heart so warm. Where it's like, I did a complete 180. Actually, I was lying the whole time. I love you. Honestly, these two crazy kids got great chemistry. They're great. I love watching them. Uh, their voices sound really great together so on this good. song. Uh, yeah, I dig this scene a lot. And good for the stepsisters mm-hmm. for not interrupting this moment entirely. Mm-hmm. They easily 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 could have blocked this whole thing but no they're pretty they're pretty chill they were like yeah. no it seems like they're uh, they're vibing with each game, other respect so game. We're, gonna, we're gonna back off <laughs> we'll shit all over it. them in our own little corner over here <laughs> their corner sucks <laughs> their corner is just in the fountain yeah oh god they're, they're like traipsing through the fountain is never not gonna be funny <laughs> especially because the one stepsister is so short so she's just like hobbling <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta get that dress up out of the way too mm-hmm. it's just like it's great um what next I guess like we we go back home pumpkin yeah, starts search away. begins yeah she runs a d- ding dong midnight gotta get out of there oh yeah. she's gotta sing the song 
Oh yeah, when they get back home, they sing the lovely night. A lovely night, gorgeous song. Did that in voice. Where her and the stepsisters kind of become friends for like a verse and a chorus. It's great. Yeah, and then Bernadette Peters is like, gotta shut that down real quick. Yeah, she sees everything. She sees the crown of Brandy's head and goes, "Oh no, I know you." (laughs) (laughs) Literally sees the top of her head and was like, "Is like, I know the top of that head." I recognize the top of that head anywhere. (laughs) It's not even the same hairstyle, Bernadette. What are you talking about? She just knows. I think this song is my favorite. I think Brandy is great in this movie. Acting Mm -hmm. and singing. Like, I think Mm -hmm. she's fucking fantastic. But this is my, the song that I think her voice is like, Mm -hmm. most suited to. It just sounds so, I think her voice sounds so good in this song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, it was like, I I started off the movie and just being like, oh no, does Brandy like not actually do? And then it's, I genuinely think it's a choice of like, no, she's going to get her confidence as she sings Mm -hmm. and works her way through. Cause Mm -hmm. like every other song after, like from my own little corner on, I'm like, Oh no, no, no. She's great. (laughs) This is, this is fantastic. Um, yeah, this number is, I, I'm also a sucker for any like number in a musical where characters forget themselves and they get so swept up in the song that they're singing Mm -hmm. whether it's the moment or reliving the moment or uh the desire to get something that they're describing in the song and like the entire step family becomes like just enraptured with remembering that the night was really great and like how like you know how wonderful it was and then she immediately snaps out of it and she's Marina peters and she's a pro and so we you know immediately back to evil but she's got levels yeah is this where she calls her common yeah this is fucked up. It's cold. <laughs> She's like... This is cold around. as hell. Cold as ice, baby. This is yeah. not okay. Because that's what Bernadette can do. She can give it to you and then she can take it away. If Bernadette Peters called me common, I would never act again. <laughs> and I feel like from everything I know about Bernadette Peters as a person, she absolutely would. Like, she has and she would destroy people. Destroy the lives of many a, a young non-union actor. I feel like she would. She'd be the person who just, like, would crush you in a second. And you'd be like, thank you. Spit on me. I guess... <laughs> I wonder, and, you know, maybe missed opportunity. Make us... They can't, unfortunately, but, like... Sequel opportunity missed. Missed opportunity. I would have loved a scene between the fairy godmother and the stepmother. Just because I want to see Whitney Houston and Bernadette Peters interact. I don't think the screen could have held that much. If we could have gotten Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber in there as well, would have been pretty rad. It would have been a lot on the screen at once. It's like a we lot were, of wattage. Yeah. A lot of wattage. So like we watched the personal history of David Copperfield and we had Peter Capaldi and Hugh Laurie both in a scene together. And we were like, this oh can't happen. Welcome to my parent trap reboot. You're like, you can't. They're the same person. You can't do this. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great number. Mm-hmm. And now the prince is on a tirade to find the foot that fits into find that foot, this baby. goddamn glass slipper. Uh, cut to... Ian's worst nightmare, a <laughs> montage of fucking feet. <laughs> they don't wipe down the slipper in between each person. That Again, really bothers me. I, I want to clarify this on the podcast. I am not kink shaming anyone. If anyone isn't like totally, totally cool. I'm not here to like disrespect your thing. For me, I hate this. I don't like feet. I find them very dirty and disgusting. And so to see this just parade of patterns and polka dots and stripes. The socks in this town are on point. I gotta Holy say, like, shit. very strong sock game. I will say, in order to test to see if your foot worked, 
you should have been required to have a sock on. And some of these women are going straight up barefoot on there, and that is not okay. Put a sock on. Or, like, if the, you know, the prince could provide, like, a box of those little things in the shoe store. Yes. Mm-hmm. He can, afford, he can afford a box of socks? Come on. Can I tell you a really fucked up secret? What? When I was a kid and I used to go shoe shopping, I hated shoe shopping so much because I, I just, like, was so bored by it. <laughs> I used to go around the store and steal handfuls of those socks. <laughs> to what end? What would you do with them? I didn't like doing laundry, so I would just... <laughs> Throw dirty socks in my closet and wear those. Jesus. Christ. And I would like double and triple bag each foot because the you know they're thin, so <laughs> it was not okay. I was like ten. I was, I was just young and dumb. Don't look at me like that. I. <laughs> I can't to this deal day, with that. to this day. When I go to store to shoe stores, which I have not done in over a year, but mm-hmm. to this day when I go to shoe, like I went to like a, a Payless or something, or not a Payless, those those don't exist anymore. R.I.P. But like, what? Uh, really? I don't think so. I don't think they oh, exist dang. anymore. Payless exists. But I went to it was Marshalls. I was in like the shoe like the shoe section of like a Marshalls, um, and they had a box of those little like socks, and I you felt kind the of itch. Had, I did. <laughs> I really did. I kind of had the moment of like, Ian, you don't, you don't need these. And I walked away. So I've grown, but I did have like that. It was that muscle memory of like, eh, okay, you know, you it know is, what to do with these. That, like, clomp. That is such a weird detail about you. Also, given the fact that like you wear socks down until they're nothing. Well, yeah. Cause now I'm doing penance. Mm. I'm, so paying, I'm paying back the sock gods. <laughs> I that's so fucking weird. What yeah, if I you wore them something on, new every day? What if I wore them underneath the sock? It's weirder, no, I would argue. That, yeah, like your foot's gotta breathe, man. I yeah. <laughs> Having been a dancer for a long time, um, shit can happen to your feet that is disgusting if you don't yes. let them breathe. And what and like truly like there's gonna be some fucking foot disease that is running through this town in Cinderella, like. After this. Oh my god, I would never put a... Like, we never see them Lysol down that glass slipper at all. Never! Wipe it down! Also, Jason Alexander's handling that shit without gloves. There there are smudge marks on there. (laughs) To be fair, the shoe is magic. They don't know that it's magic, though. But we do. They don't, though. (laughs) And I feel like that's still scary. Just because nothing's gonna happen doesn't mean that, like, if if it wasn't magic, they'd be... I, 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 it's genuinely just like, this is upsetting. <laughs> this is upsetting. I have never even thought of any of this, which I guess makes sense because like feet are like, I don't know. I enjoy like feet? messing with my own feet. I think feet are very cool, wonderful things that connect mm-hmm. us to the ground. So cool. I'm like all about, all about, I guess it's also probably because mm-hmm. I used to dance and you need <laughs> your feet to so do that. So would you? You need those. <laughs> so yeah. Tina, if you had been told like, oh cool, you could marry a prince. Um, Here you go. There's this glass slipper that like roughly 400 other girls have tried on with no socks. Um, We just need you to like Most shove of them your were wearing in. socks. Uh, I would say like fifty percent of them were wearing socks. Let's say a cool one. Let's say a cool buck twenty-five of the four hundred weren't wearing socks. (laughs) I mean, no matter what, like I would do it because I don't care. 
It doesn't bother me. That, well, you know what? I just wanted to ask the question. Now you know that about yourself, Tina. I do. You have to deal with that for the rest of your life and know, yeah, no, I would stick my foot into that dirty, dirty shoe. Question. I would. Or, what well, were you I'm just, it is, it is um, wild because I am like kind of a hypochondriac in most other ways, mm. but like that just, for, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just mm. used to my feet already being in gross places. Like on farms or in like a walk through bogs every morning. <laughs> like no, I'll wear a mask. Your but... Shrek cosplay is getting so <laughs> method. Like no, I'm I'm a strict double masker, but I will shove my foot right on top of your foot. <laughs> this that's is how, that's how me. you. That friends. is me. <laughs> so good to know. Like if we meet up when it's like spring and stuff's still going on, we will just like lay down in a park and just put our feet together and still stay like our mouths six feet apart. Aww. That sounds great. That sounds adorable. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. It's going to be the new craze sweeping the nation. You heard it here first. Shove your feet together. Yeah. Feet across America. <laughs> I was just going to say, the like the stipulation would be I would do that if the prince looked like yeah. Paolo Montalban. Yeah, you gotta yeah, well, see obviously. the prince first. If I had not seen the yeah. prince first, I'd yeah, like, let, let yeah. me see this prince. We have to have like maybe sung a duet or two together. Yeah, You're like uh, show me the show me the pic. <laughs> What's his Facebook profile picture? Here we go. <laughs> All right, that checks out. Give me give me the shoe. I'll stick my foot in there. Give me give me. <laughs> uh, again, he like has a full on conniption after Bernadette Peters shoves her foot into this glass slipper. As does she. <laughs> As yeah. does she, because she's losing her circulation. It's an mm-hmm. incredible take. It's mm-hmm. it's fucking phenomenal. Also, wait, can we go back a little bit and talk about her flirting with Jason Alexander at the ball? Yes. yes. <laughs> it is so good. Always. It is incredible. First of all, because it's one of those things that happens in these movies where the like the secondary characters kind of like get together and it's a like, oh, we're gonna pair everyone off. These two people are gonna are gonna pair off. But she's so opportunistic and is just kind of use. She's just using him to get to a better position, mm-hmm. either with her daughters like, or with no, himself. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm sorry, you're Jason Alexander, and you're turning down an opportunity to dance with Bernadette Peters." Yeah, you're not gonna get a better opportunity than that. And she just pronounced "you" in the most ridiculous way I've ever heard in my <laughs> life, and it was genius. She's so. Yeah, man, she's got some takes in this movie that are fire. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm constantly just impressed. Like every time I see her, I just love her so much. I'm choo choo all aboard the Bernadette Peters train. Hot <laughs> yes, take: This lady's going places. <laughs> I've been saying it, Bernadette <laughs> Peters, talented lady. Look out for this one. <laughs> Jason Alexander's got some great takes in this, especially in this in this horrific foot montage. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he gets like truly like like rocked and rolled by these stepdaughters <laughs> as they're just like yeah i can't believe you shrunk this fucking slipper it's <laughs> <laughs> great um then they they do the good old you said it the good old um uh there's no one behind this door routine oh my god i love that bit first of all them walking in unison with the little limp because oh, they, don't have, a, they don't have the right foot on and then like the 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 like coordinated choreographed bit of them hiding the door. Oh God, I just love a good well-timed bit. Oh, it's so good. Like I just love a bit. Love it's a bit. It's so good, I miss that about theater. I like, movie musicals are just getting so non-specific and it's like, no, it should be sharp, go, yeah. specificity. 
big. When they let us back on stage together again, I feel like R&J is going to be bit city. It already yeah. is bit city, but I feel like we're going to oh, lose yeah. our dang minds. Yeah. For, for context, everyone, we all do a production of Romeo and Juliet for uh, youths. Um, and we, we do add, like, I would conservatively say, like, a bit a show. They're never yeah. gonna be. They're never gonna believe why why they've let this six and a half foot tall forty nine year old playing play Romeo. <laughs> That's when theater will be back, right? And why they let a twenty eight year old play the nurse to a thirty year old Juliet? So in- fun. incredible shit. <laughs> I love that. Incredible shit. Like I, I I don't know. I don't question it. I'm just like no. all right. They it seem rules. like they, they like hanging out with each other. I don't know. I don't know. I'm over here playing Benvolio, and I'm just like, oh, this nurse is hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, this... winking at each other across the stage. I'm legit like, I don't know why, like, she's so young. She seems unqualified for this job, but, like, I, I'm going to see if I can hit it. <laughs> she's new to the job because the dress is falling off of her. Yeah. Yeah, you're literally having to wear the dress of the old nurse who died. <laughs> It's your first day on the job. So we have a position to fill, and also a dress. So. <laughs> no, no, I know you have a dress. This is the dress. Or was this the, is dress, the dress? Is the dress a, a glass slipper situation uh-huh. where the nurse fled and the Capulets are just trying to find who fits in this dress, <laughs> and you're just looking for gainful employment? And yeah, you're like, my job. Yeah, like free lodging sounds good. Yeah, then these dumb teens have to go and fuck everything up. We've clarified, one of them's 49 years old. Um, Yeah, Prince finds uh, finds Cinderella, and it's time to get married. In a mirror, Uh, too, of like, she's dropping all her shit because the horses are acting up, and he sees her, and it's like, oh, that first time we met at the carriage when it almost ran you over and killed you. Yeah. And they repeat the lines from that scene, and it's really sweet and symmetrical. It's yeah. romantic. I love some symmetry. I love re- a callback. The <laughs> refrain of "It's possible," and then you're mm. like, "Anything's possible." <laughs> um, love exists. It's great. You, you. I want to clear the lane for you if you'd like to tell this bit of trivia. You told it really well on the on the We the People podcast uh, about the finale and the extras and oh, how they yeah. all got paid. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Oh my god, it still makes me. It's fucked up. Livid, but basically, so the final day of shooting was the wedding and they had already shot a bunch of it with all the extras like in one direction and they just had to shoot it in the other direction uh, on the final day but they didn't have enough money left in the budget to pay extras so the studio was like then you don't get extras just shoot it without and they were like no we can't because we've already shot it one way we can't shoot it the other way for coverage without all the people there Um, that's not how movies work (laughs) yeah I don't know if you know this, uh, ABC, <laughs> but, but so, um, this was like a whole thing and Whoopi Goldberg basically like sent them a bag of money and was like, here's my contribution for the extras for today. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. And then the producers ended up like chipping in some of their own money as well to like make it happen, which, and, you know, I think is lovely and speaks to like how, how invested everyone in, was in making this like as good as it could be, but also like, come the fuck on. Like, give them yeah. money for one day of extras. Yeah, we'll bleed, use this to kind of like uh, bleed into trivia a little bit. But yeah, it was the apparently it was a, an executive at Disney that was very concerned about how a black Cinderella would play. The to one who a, wanted to to hire Jewel instead. And he wanted to hire Jewel. No, how dare you! I the say audacity. this. Yeah, knowing that my my father is a huge Jewel fan, but like 
No. <laughs> nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. Um, and yeah, so the other the other part of the oral history I I totally forgotten about until I was reading it today was they mentioned that that Whoopi Goldberg essentially gave her like a week's worth of per diem to the producers and was like, here's my contribution, take mm-hmm. it. And the producers were like, yeah, here are our contributions. And the hope was that when they when the company when Disney saw them doing that, they would be like okay, we'll give up the money. And they just didn't. They were just no. kind of like, oh, cool. Seems like you guys got the money. You got it covered. Because so, fuck them. Capitalism, um, it sucks. It's <laughs> awful. Um, that is actually the topic of the We the People episode. <laughs> I was literally just going to say, for more on this, check out this week's episode <laughs> of We the People. It's a very, very enlightening conversation. Um, but yeah, so it's... <laughs> and the the other like incredible part of the story is they asked Whoopi about this like in 2017, and she was like, yeah, that sounds like some shit I'd do. I don't know. I, I did stuff like that all the time. <laughs> oh, bless. God, we don't deserve her. She's so cool. Um, Whoopi Goldberg is also apparently the reason that Victor Garber came on board, because mm-hmm. he was just nice. like, I, like, they pitched it to him, and he was like, I would get to hang out with Whoopi Goldberg all day. Like, I love Whoopi. They were apparently really good friends Aww. from the Broadway circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like a lot of this movie was just kind of like a homecoming for a bunch of these people. They originally, cause the original 1993 cast was going to be Whitney Houston as Cinderella and Whoopi Goldberg as the fairy godmother. Mm. And Julie Andrews as the queen. And Julie Andrews as the oh, queen. Wow. Yeah. And because of just timing with, with Whitney Houston being Whitney Houston, who'd have thought she was super fucking popular. And, uh, and happens. Yeah, so the movie ended up kind of getting delayed and rewritten over and over and over again. Um, and it was Whitney Houston's idea to cast Brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really adorable anecdotes about Brandy finding out that she was, you know, being chosen for this movie. Uh, and yeah, the, and then Whoopi Goldberg kind of like came back in and she was like, you know, who's playing the queen? I'll play the queen. Fuck it. I don't care. I'll do it. Like, <laughs> Let me call Victor. Yeah, whatever. We'll get a bunch of people on board. Jason Alexander, same thing. Where they were like, we they like wrote the role of Lionel for Jason Alexander, mm-hmm. and then they found out because it was like right at the peak of Seinfeld, and he was like, I don't want to do anything like George Costanza. And then they had to rewrite his entire role because yeah. they wrote it for George Costanza, pretty much. Oh man. Um, which he still pretty much. He still is George, George Costanza. Costanza. That's so weird. That's just Jason Alexander. Um, but yeah. It was. You so, mean George Costanza is Lionel? Is mm, yes. George Costanza is around. I think of it. Well, then, okay. So in that case, is Lionel also Larry David? Since George Costanza is based on Larry David. Sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Larry David either because I have never watched Curb, but old I grumpy love Lionel, Jews. and that's all I'll say. I, I love would love Lionel. to. I would love to have seen Larry David's version of Lionel. Is all I'll say. <laughs> I think it'd be very different. I think that ball would never have happened if he no, played Lionel. Never. Yeah, listeners, never would have happened for for how this would turn out. The entirety of season four or five of Curb Your Enthusiasm is Larry David being cast as Max Bialystok in a production of The Producers, <laughs> and annoying his other cast members so badly that they go through like four Leo Blooms. <laughs> I, I will say, when you finally see the show. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. Jason Alexander also went on to play Max Bialystok. Also, uh, wait, can we talk about his accent in this movie? The, the the Italian accent that comes in and out? Yeah. Who knows what it is, but I am here for it, and I love it. I think it was all inspired by the goatee. 
It's a thousand. Yeah. It's goatee acting. This is fair. This is fair. One hundred percent. It's like mm, I have a goatee. I'm gonna speak like this. <laughs> He thinks he's playing Pirelli and like some. Oh my like, god! Yeah. I would see that production. You could do it on the same set. Yeah. You and just turn the lights should. down. <laughs> you just try to change the saturation. If they were like, not only is this the set of the Good Place, but it's also where Tim Burton shot Sweeney Todd. Like, <laughs> like yeah, no, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't just CGI London again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's this movie. Any guess on the budget of this film? Oh, God, I read the oral history and I forgot already. I will say, it is the most expensive TV movie ever made. Oh. Or at least in 1997 it was. I don't know what I don't, that means. I don't think that stands still. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 30 million? 30 million? I'm going to say 70 million. 70 million? Lauren, you are closer. 12 million. Oh, oh dang. Wow. Such a low budget, considering. On the cheap. Yeah, super on the cheap. Apparently, they only had like three weeks to rehearse and only like three three to four weeks to shoot. All those stars, too. Dang. Yeah, yeah primarily because of the crossover, because Brandy was also had the Moesha shooting schedule that she was doing, because mm-hmm. she had been doing that show for a year. And had, like, either just gotten back from touring her album or was about Mm -hmm. to go out on tour for her album. But I also know apparently half the dancers in the movie were, like, Brandy's backup dancers from tour. Man, Um, that's so fucking stressful, too. When you're like, okay, there are three days where all these people are available. Go, 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 go. Um, (laughs) Been there. (laughs) But, yeah, she she crushed it. And they all, like, they all came together and came out with something really, really positive. And that's, like, the one big overarching theme throughout the uh, Kendra James' oral history which we will be providing uh, in the show notes. We'll put mm-hmm. a link to it in the show notes. Um, is they pretty much just talk about how like this was like a completely egoless set. Like everyone mm-hmm. was just super down to create the best possible version of this movie mm-hmm. and of this story. And, and I they think did. yeah, I think that's why it stands as like as as you you know very correctly put it as a kid the real Cinderella. Like it mm-hmm. it very much feels like. Mm-hmm. A, a cumulative version of several different iterations of this story into like, yeah, but this is the version that I think gets the spirit of it at the very least, the most correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, with the budget that it's on and the, and the charming effects of like whatever the fairy godmother does magic. It's just like a, like a like series of like kid pics images of like <laughs> yeah. exclamation marks and spirals and like crazy shit. That's I love great. it. Um, I mean, I think another thing that makes it so great <clears throat> On, I mean, watching it again as an adult, especially, is like they don't dumb it down. Like it still like slaps if you're a kid as a movie. Like you're gonna love it, but when you watch it as an adult, it's still like smart. It's funny. You can see that they're trying to do something with like taking this kind of generally passive character and making her into someone who like, you know, a young girl could relate to or, or anyone mm-hmm. could relate to. Like mm-hmm. someone who wants things from her life that she's not able to get. Someone who has like dreams and like is sure of themselves but doesn't have the tools to make it happen so like i i feel like they did a really with the rewrites because they rewrote a lot of the script from the rogers and hammerstein and with the songs they added too like they were able to tell a smart story they were able to like keep it in the world of like the cinderella fairy tale but make it so that it's like super fun to watch and super moving and like effective in the story it's trying to tell to you no matter like what age you are or what walk of life you're currently in so i just feel like it's like universally 
dope. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you're in the glass slipper phase of your life or the skinny little socks at a Marshall stage of your life. Or whatever the sensible walk. clog stage of your life. <laughs> sensible yeah. clog. Um, nice ballet flat stage mm. of your life. Yeah. $12 million budget. Apparently moved over a million copies of the VHS within the first month of release. This movie was wow. insanely popular. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and still is to this day. No album because of the constant wars between... Brandy's recording label and Whitney Houston's recording label. That's apparently why there is no album of this out. Um, Paolo Montalban, though, has said he's heard it and it sounds wonderful. Of course it does. (laughs) It's magical. Again, that dude's a mensch. Great. Like we always do at this time, in 2021, do we recommend 1997's Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella? Tina, I'll go to you first. Duh. Yes. (laughs) Just fucking watch it. Why aren't you watching it now? Go watch it. It's... The best. It rules. And it's... Okay. Soapbox time. Again, I guess I've been on my soapbox the whole time. But, like, this is an example of how you cast. Like, theaters are, like, you know, falling over themselves trying to, like, figure out how do we do diversity in casting and how do we, like, do this responsibly. This is how you fucking do it. You cast a wide net. You decide what story you want to tell. And in this case, it was, like, we want to show black women that they are Cinderella, too. Like... You decide what story you want to tell. You decide what cast you need to make that happen. And then you make it happen and you fight for it. And you don't do it in a way that's like hitting people over the head. You just do it in a way that's inclusive, not to show people how good you are at doing the work. Like just fucking cast Mm. inclusively and you're going to get a dope product. And also don't. uh, Okay. I could go on about this forever and I will because I have you all captive. Please. Um, there is a difference between colorblind and color conscious casting and colorblind casting for me doesn't work because like we can all see it, you know, like race isn't an invisible thing, you know, ethnicity and identity are not invisible. Pretending like we don't see them is not doing anyone any favors. It's, you know, often hurting more than it's helping Mm -hmm. doing casting in a way that is intentional and hiring a diverse cast in a way that tells the story, but doesn't also tokenize those people or make those performers play into stereotypes. Like it's so easy to like have a diverse cast, but for some reason, all of the black and brown people are the villains or are all the like commoners. And then all the wealthy people are like, that's not helpful. And Mm -hmm. that's not representation. Like not all representation is the same and not all representation is positive or good. Um, so I just feel like this is like a shining example. And I think for a lot of people who are talking about this in the casting world right now and in the theater world, this is like the example of how to get it right. Mm -hmm. And basically the way to get it right is don't be a fucking dick. Don't take yourself too seriously and think that you know everything and just like trust that the people in the communities you're trying to represent and serve know best because they do. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to add there to it that. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You thank you. It, you thank said you. it better than I ever could. Thank so, you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> feel like all of us, including myself, needed to hear that. So thank you. <laughs> um, n- yeah. Uh, great. Lauren, do you recommend this movie? <laughs> yeah. I think if you're like, if you're like, Ian, and what if you had said no right after that? <laughs> I would have signed off of the Zoom. <laughs> like I th- like, like if you're like Ian and I were like we. Especially us, we have found such like solace in quarantine in movie musicals. 
Mm. And even like really bad movie musicals, it's really nice to see. Looking a, at you, Rock of Ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watched Rock of that Ages. Was a movie. But which is also embarrassed it's like that my it's a Cinderella. musical. But it's really nice to see a movie musical that like embraces its roots, that is not a, like ashamed of being a musical, and that is wholeheartedly what it is, and just like accepts that and goes goes like full speed with it. And it and has such a like a lovely energy and I, I just like I don't see how you come out of this being like that movie sucked like no even if it's not for you like that's a perfectly delightful movie yeah. you know and it's, I don't understand how it could not be for you yeah I guess I'm, yeah yeah I just like I missed it kind of my entire life because mm-hmm. of my boredom with the, the animated version and now I'm like oh I missed out cool <laughs> like yeah, I'm glad that I changed that. Uh, I had a great time. I really, like, I think it's a, it's, if you're inclined to like music, movie musicals, definitely give it a chance. Yeah. This movie is like a warm, a warm mug of hot, like, of like Cocoa. hot tea. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, on like a cold winter's night. Mm-hmm. It was just like mm-hmm. watching it. I was just like, oh yeah. And I don't think yeah. I've seen this movie in probably like almost mm-hmm. 20 years. Like I can guarantee I have not seen this movie because mm-hmm. we, I think we had it recorded on a VHS tape as well, mm-hmm. but I, I think like because it came out when I was like six or seven, mm-hmm. and then I quickly got into that awful age of being a boy and being like, you're not allowed to like these things because mm-hmm. like it's a musical and it's Cinderella and it's like yeah. a girl thing and you know and I I let that influence too much of my life for too long. Uh, yeah, and I was also one of those musical theater kids. that's like I don't like Rodgers and Hammerstein. I only like cool new stuff. So like get out of here, Jason Robert Brown. I was like, no. get out of here, Cinderella. He's the Neil Labute of musicals. He <laughs> rocks. Oh, no, I was like, like the opposite. Here. I was like, I think because I'm a classical soprano and not good at belting, mm-hmm. I was like, I hate all this new stuff. It's like I can't do it, and so I don't <laughs> like it, and it's bad. Yeah, so see, I was like I was, all about the classics, the golden age. I was also a classic soprano that was like resentful of the fact that I was because I felt like all the cool kids were belting mm. so I was like no I'm a shit like I was ashamed of myself I was like no I'm gonna <laughs> shove away my roots and I'm gonna try to belt even though I'm really not good at it at all <laughs> I was the opposite I thought it made me better than everyone else <laughs> which is also not great yeah no, you're like, I'm legit. I like the Phantom of the Opera. Um, oh, that no. was me. I was like, I mean, that was when I circled back around. I was like, yeah, like, I'm a soprano, but, like, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, my God. <laughs> Edgy. Wait, Lauren, can we do a production of Phantom of the Opera where we rotate, like, we switch every night? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which of us plays the Phantom and which of us plays Christine? <laughs> absolutely, Tina. Greenlit. Every, every idea you've had, <laughs> greenlit. But Go. Ian, but you're playing Carlotta in this production. One thousand percent. God. <laughs> but you also the only way I'll sign on to this is if we do it in rep with Love Never Dies and oh. you continue oh to switch off on that show. Oh my show. god, please. Yes, please. And you get to play the little child in Love Never Dies. Yeah, the yeah. Best, the Carlotta of that show. Like, it's the scene yeah. stealer of that show. I just want to do child. a production of Fan of the Opera that's all the people from Vanishing Act. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Daniel I would Millhouse. lose my mind. <laughs> As Raul. <laughs> Daniel Melas is Raul. Like, um, oh, I love it. Uh, great. Uh, at land, like we always do at this time, is there a modern analog to yeah. Cinderella? Uh, Tina, I'll go to you first. Have you have you thought I, of your modern No, name? I have not. I right. don't have an answer. It's, you go first, and maybe I'll think good. of something in time. Uh, Lauren, would you like to go first? Um, I want to recommend a movie that also looks like it is shot on the exact same set as this movie, and I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about um, it's a Christmas movie, and it's also a musical. It came out this last year. It's called Jingle Jangle. Um, mm. And it is similarly a, like, period fantasy 
musical that is also just like filled to the brim with color and beautiful costumes and like just wonder all around and just like unbelievable choreography unbelievable <laughs> choreography it was so nice to see like like in this like in Cinderella it was just so nice to see a wide shot of choreography like on a street mm-hmm. um and it gave me like the same feeling um very much so i don't know if you've seen it tina but i i really i have yeah, yeah, yeah. i had a great great it. time i also think like Bridgerton's a great one too, mm. because costumes. If you just want to look at pretty yeah. costumes, then yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Ian. Ian's coming back from plugging in the computer. Sorry, we're at like six percent. Um, <laughs> we're about to hear a little dedute. Get ready for the dedute. Dedute. <laughs> um. Meanwhile, I thought I heard our cat throwing up in the background, so I was like, wait, Um, did he? May just be our loud-ass neighbors, but uh, no, I'm going to actually, you called it out earlier, I'm going to recommend the personal history of David Copperfield uh, Mm. that we watched the other day with uh, uh, Def Patel, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton. Ben Wishaw. Uh, Ben Wishaw. Never forget our boy, Ben Wishaw. Our boy, you mean my best friend, Ben Wishaw. (laughs) Tina saw... Sam Hubbard's real best friend, Ben Uh, Wishaw. So many of my friends have met Ben Wishaw except for me. One day it's going to happen for me. (laughs) I love him so much. Paddington forever. Um, But again, I know uh, there are a lot of really interesting articles and really interesting takes on both sides about this movie on whether or not it is color consciously cast or whether it is colorblind cast. Uh... Armando Iannucci, who wrote and directed it, uh, who also did Veep and The Thick of It and uh, In the Loop, Death of Stalin, which was great. Um, It's a very different movie than I expected it to be. Uh, It is a lot more of a traditional take on David Copperfield than what I expected. And Uh, a lot less, like, bleak comedy than usually you get out of Iannucci. Yeah, but I think in terms of this same level of, like you're watching a quote-unquote classic story retold through the eyes of someone who is genuinely so excited to be telling it. Um, and that that's the performance of Deb Patel in this movie. And it's very it's just kind of similar to the look that you constantly see Whitney Houston giving as the fairy godmother in this, mm-hmm. where there's this feeling of, like, how fucking cool is this? Like, we're all here, and we're all doing this, and we're telling yeah. a story. And it also was one that the entire time Lauren and I were watching it, we just kept saying, this feels so innately theatrical. You can mm-hmm. tell that all of these actors are stage actors and have just imbued these characters with, like, mm-hmm. you know, all of the this this humanity and these quirks and everything that, like, they just feel so down-to-earth and so big and broad at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it also incorporates, like, theatrical elements in terms of, like, the stagecraft and stuff. Like, yeah. There is very much, like, a, a fourth wall that they are playing with that is sometimes quite like very literalized in terms of like something looks like a real a real set and then sometimes things open up and you realize they're more of a theatrical set and the the transitions from scene to scene yeah. can be very interesting in that regard um so i think it very similarly like is a movie that loves theater yes mhm totally yeah tina what you got I really, honestly, am like just coming up empty. I have a, a few things. What's the that last I can great say. thing that you? You have watch. not felt joy since Cinderella. <laughs> Listen, it's hard to feel a joy that is on par with the joy of Cinderella. It's just that good. Um, the, I mean, like, for very different reasons than I, I feel like I was expecting to come up with something. This movie is such a source of joy for me, but it's also like it was kind of the beginning of 
not my musical education, but like my understanding of how styles can adapt and how like musical theater as a style is so informed by like pop styles and by and, and can be informed by contemporary music, even like in the classical kind of form and staying true to its original um, kind of yeah form. Um, and for that reason, and I don't know when this movie came out, so like it might not even be that modern of an analog, but it's a documentary. Um, about backup singers, and it's called Twenty Feet from Stardom. Nice. It's I love real that movie. Good. It's so good. It's really well made. It's super interesting, and it's just about like people who sing backup for big stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the perspective you get on the music industry, I think, similarly to this oral history, um, gives you a sense of like what it's like to be working in the industry at that time, and kind of the flexibility and the ways that people are able to like adapt their own style to make it work for a big star or for other people who are not necessarily doing what they would be doing if they were in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and like, because, you know, I, there is a tendency to like now kind of cast people who are not musical theater people in movie musicals and like, just trust that they can do it because people don't think it's hard for some reason when it's one of the hardest fucking things to do in the world. But there's also, I think, on the other end of that is, like, the tendency to cast, like, pop singers and, you know, people who are not necessarily actors. And I think this movie does that really well, bridges that gap, because it allows them to, like, make the music that they would be making, use their style to inform, like, this kind of more classic piece um, without trying to, like, hide from that or brush over it. Um, So I guess that's my super long-winded way of, like, covering up the fact that I didn't do my homework. (laughs) I think you did, You should watch this documentary. It's really fucking interesting. Came out in 2013, so it still counts. Counts. Dope. I'll take it. I mean, remember when I recommended Rocky Horror for Pirates? Like, they came out around the same time. Again, Sam Hubbard recommended Bridge Over the River Kwai. (laughs) It makes... Sam Hubbard doesn't give a fuck about the rules. He also came on and did a good movie. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, why do we do rules anyway? <laughs> Master and Commander's a good movie. Get out of here, Sam. <laughs> that was actually on me because I didn't think it was when we did it. And then we did oh. it and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I've never rules. seen it, unsurprisingly, yeah. to anybody. That's, I, I don't think you'd dig it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> knowing, knowing you to the extent I know you, I don't think you'd care yeah, yeah, for it. Me, me and Sam Hubbard are like pretty much on the opposite sides of the spectrum taste-wise, I feel like. <laughs> when we do our live commentary for the Irishman I'll give you a call it'll be oh great, my God. <laughs> um, great. It's gonna be uh, sounds of me barfing in the background the <laughs> uh, Tina anything you'd like to plug oh sure why not I mean we've already talked about we the people present a podcast available wherever you get your podcast um, it's very it's it's very loosey-goosey fun kind of um, we talk about um, all kinds of issues going on today how we're feeling about stuff um, what it's like to be a person of color right now in the world. Um, and then obviously the vanishing act with y'all more episodes coming. Um, we're what are we in the middle of phase two? What are we calling it? Season so two? act two. Yeah. Act two. So this episode, so this episode of not another film podcast actually is out the same day as Ooh. episode seven of the vanishing. We're act. so close to being able to talk about some of the stuff that you do on vanishing. Yeah. Act. There's, well, yeah. I, there's so much stuff I wanted. To, I want to talk about that. We cannot because it's spoiler territory. Yeah. Only good time. But 
Tina, like, I have been editing together up to episode 10. And just like, Tina, you get better every episode. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Your shit gets crazier every episode. It's weirder and weirder, and yeah. you're hilarious. And Tina is on, uh, as we already said, The Vanishing Act, which is our scripted show. Um, she's playing one of our one of our leads, a very mysterious character that is becoming more of a big presence as, as the entire show goes on, named Lilith Von Hitzler. She's great. Great. We're about to go into recordings with you again soon, which is Cannot exciting. Wait, so exciting that we get to put our little gang together in a different configuration this time. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. But I'm, I'm so excited about our next session. Yes, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I also want to. I, I don't have anything else to add, but those. I also want to uh, give a shout out to the We the People present Instagram because you all give such great yeah. uh, um, uh, actions for the week that have been really, really good for keeping myself accountable uh, in, well, in doing those. So thank you very much. Uh, I You constantly say it, and I'm very guilty of it, about not getting all of your actions from one place, and I need to be a lot better about that, and I'm trying to hold myself accountable to that. But a lot of that comes from uh, listening to your podcast every week and finding different things and, like, you know, Find, like finding the 1619 podcast through that and like finding mm. a lot of other uh you know reading some ibram x kendi books and stuff like that i found through listening to your podcast and podcasts like yours uh, so thank you for for the work that you're doing that are that is helping the people that should be doing more work do <laughs> do their work um that's pretty much it. Stay inside. Wash your fucking hands. Uh, <laughs> wipe down shoes before you try them on. <laughs> yeah, wipe down shoes before you try them on. And don't and no steal pigs. those little stockings. Yeah. They're for everyone. <laughs> and just generally be good to each other. <laughs> and <laughs> go watch Cinderella. Go yeah. watch fucking Cinderella. Inject some joy into your veins. It's possible. Yeah, it <laughs> is possible, Lauren. It is. <laughs>